0: Uncluttered and Unfiltered is brought to you in part by our latest obsession, Paincakes. Paincakes are the revolutionary cold pack that stick to you so you can stick to your routine. Whether you're pounding the pavement as a runner like me or you're tackling the clutter as a professional organizer like Christine, Paincakes has got you covered. Paincakes comes in three sizes and can be used again and again. We both keep them in our freezers. And when we feel an ache or a pain, you just stick them on your body. You can do it a hundred times. It's all the benefits of using a cold pack, but no downtime. Find pancakes at pain-cakes.com or at thousands of retailers nationwide.
1: Welcome to Uncluttered and Unfiltered, the podcast urging you to let it go and don't look back. With nationally acclaimed professional organizer, Christine Stone. And self-proclaimed hot damn mess radio and TV personality, Eden Kendall.
0: Welcome everybody to Uncluttered and Unfiltered with Eden and Christine. And we have a special guest we will be introducing you to shortly. But to kind of prime the pump for this particular episode, we asked you guys on our Uncluttered and Unfiltered Ladies Only Facebook group to share with us, and this is a really personal question we asked, but we wanted to hear about a time where you faced a challenge, a tragedy, something in your life that you thought you would otherwise throw your hands up in the air, but you either powered through it or someone came to your rescue or you rescued yourself, which we love hearing about. But but that's what we asked.
1: And I read every one of them. And I can tell you, it it was very moving. I really... Uh, It really uplifted me and inspired and motivated me, you know, because sometimes you you get in that mode and then you read these stories from these ladies and wow, they have come through on the other end bigger than ever. So we do read everything just so you know.
0: And we encourage you to go in and read these, even if you didn't contribute yourself. Maybe it's too personal or you saw some of these stories like dealing with infertility, dealing with job loss, dealing with illness illnesses. illnesses. there were yeah and you'll get goosebumps when you see how things turned out for these ladies that are sharing their stories um but the thing the thing that for me why i felt it was important to put this post up is i have a very dear friend who when i am around her and i introduce new people to her i find myself sometimes saying She's been through so much. So if she seems this way or that way, it's because of everything she's been through. I feel like when we know somebody and we know their backstory, we give them so much grace. Right. And we understand and appreciate their idiosyncrasies. Yeah. But when we don't know them, we have no tolerance. Or Maybe they are pessimistic at times, or maybe they have a snappy disposition and we don't even take into consideration that there's so much that they could have been through before we met them.
1: Right. And that's one thing I've always instilled, even in my kids, is you never know what somebody else is going through. So. You know, they may come off snippy or rude or you don't know what kind of day they've had. You don't know what they're going through in their own personal life. So be kind and, you know, be thankful that you can have the grace and and kindness towards somebody, even if they're not giving it back to you.
0: And this episode today is twofold because, one, our guest today has certainly... Lived through something that is, I think, every parent's worst nightmare. Yes. But also she is here to talk about destigmatizing mental health issues, which is something that so many of us deal with on a daily basis. So taking the stigma away from that is so vitally important. She and her organization have also been very special sponsors of Uncluttered and Unfiltered from the, the early days, yes. we, we had been waiting to share this episode with you. So welcome now, Cheryl Johnson. She is the founder of Hearts for Minds. And Cheryl, welcome to Uncluttered and Unfiltered. Good
2: morning. I'm so excited to be here. Oh.
0: We're really happy to have you here. And one of the things we mentioned in your introduction is that you have been through you and your family, every every family's worst nightmare. Can you share a little bit about Alex and then how that has now become your life's mission to make sure that mental health
2: issues are destigmatized? Sure. Um, we have four kids. Alex is our oldest. He was diagnosed with depression and anxiety when he was in high school, early in high school, but he was home. He was a minor. We were involved in his care and he did great and went off to college and we held our breath for a little while. Okay, we're sending him out there. He's in a really good place and he had two and a half really good years. In his second semester of his junior year, he apparently started to have more issues. And we didn't really have a window into that because he wasn't home. And he called us halfway through and said, I'm in trouble and you better come get me. Mm -hmm. And clearly by the time we got to him, he had not been caring for himself. He was very thin, was pretty disheveled. All the kind of ugly things that you think about when you think about someone in a real mental health crisis. And that started about a year and a half of us trying to figure out how to help him. And the what we call the mental health care ecosystem was not designed to be family supportive. I mean, that was constantly a a pointing to him as an adult who needed to manage his son himself. And we didn't really sort through that until after um, we weren't in it about how upside down that sort of theory was. But eventually, Alex got frustrated with the inability to find effective help. He got frustrated with himself, and we'll talk about stigmatization. It's not just how other people look at you. It's how you look at yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, we went out of town um, in August of 2017, and he bought what he thought was Xanax on the street. It was laced with fentanyl, and he passed away at 22.
0: So sorry. Yeah. Yeah, What a tragedy. Tragedy. And it is, as I mentioned, it's it's every parent's worst nightmare. And you have three other kids at home, and... You know, they're, they're, everybody is mourning and that doesn't seem like that long ago. So how are you already making changes and making a difference? Because that, I can't even imagine being able to pull off any of the things. I think I would be just immobile.
2: And I was. So I spent about eight to 10 weeks where I didn't leave the house. And my husband would come home and say, You need to go get help. Yeah, And I'd be like, why? I mean, what am I going to go do? Sit in a room and talk to someone who's going to tell me I'm sad? Uh, Duh. Yeah, I just buried my firstborn. Why am I going to talk about this? But I started to get angry about a lot of stuff, but really angry with God. For me, it was creating a break between my faith and my person and feeling punished. That all of this had happened because someone was doing it to me because I wasn't a good person. I mean, the narrative that I was telling myself because I'm a super troubleshooter, mom-take-care-of-everything kind of person. And, and was, an attorney. And an So attorney. you're somebody
0: who has argued sides in your head about everything.
2: So I was obsessing about everything I did wrong. And so I figured I was being punished. And then I got scared. Um, I got scared I was going to turn... One tragedy into a multi layered disaster for my husband, my other kids, the rest of my family, my mom. I mean, and so I had to dig deep and it took a while.
0: So, just to, to stop you right there, here are people telling you you should really talk to someone and you're saying, Why? I have a legitimate reason to be sad. But then when you kept explaining to us what was going on in your mind, there were a lot of other things that were making you sad. It wasn't the actual event. It was the way you were interpreting it.
2: Yeah, it was the story you tell yourself to rationalize an otherwise irrational and inconceivable tragedy, right? It couldn't have just been that I just lost my baby. It had to have been something I did. I don't have control over everything and I'm in a way different place today about that. But yeah, I mean, I took a loss and created this entire narrative that stopped me on my tracks.
0: How did you eventually seek the help you must have received?
2: I just, I listened to my husband, which was hard because, but he was, we could see the worry in his face. It took me a while to find somebody that fit, which is what I tell people now, by the way, you can interview a therapist. You don't have to stay with one that doesn't fit. It's a very personal relationship.
1: I agree wholeheartedly Mm -hmm. with that.
2: Yeah. And I I think that we don't do that. Just as, Particularly as women, I think we don't do that. We say, oh, this is a professional, and so I'm going to stick with them because they're the professional, even if your instinct is telling you this is not a good match. This is not helping. Right. Um, and also my pastor. So he was really great about helping me sort through it and letting me have all the feelings I wanted to have. And so that was really, really important. I was allowed to be angry, and I was allowed to be sad, and I was allowed to be frustrated frustrated. Our conversations were always you just can't ever get stuck. And you, you know, you kind of have to recognize that. And we'd have my little academic type A mind, I'd say to him, Well, I'm pretty parked right now and angry and sad. I'm not even sure I have the key to move out of park, but you kind of get through it. So we're all
0: wearing dragonfly pins right yes. now. What is what is a dragonfly to you? What what does it represent?
2: So in I think not just in our story, but whenever you lose someone, I think one of the things that you do to rally and bring yourself some joy is to look at pictures of them. And Alex was a huge outdoorsman at, from the time he was teeny tiny. And we had a picture of him when he was five where a dragonfly landed on his nose. If people go to the website, they I love can see it. it. It covers his whole face. And he has this little smirky grin about this bug on his face. And we took a picture and it became one of the iconic pictures that we looked to, to remember him. Um, And then I announced that I was getting a tattoo. And so of course people listening have no idea who I am. I am literally the most conservative non-tattoo person. I don't judge anyone else who has them, but I, so I do have one. I eventually got it. It's a dragonfly with Alex's initials in it. It became this way that we recognized him in the world in the universe and we all had little dragonfly sightings and lots of things that happened. And so it just became our way of remembering him and and he comes to see us all the time. And it we realized after a while, once we decided to do something in the community, that it was a great symbol to remind people that they have the strength and courage to change because Dragonflies change.
0: So the first incarnation of your foundation
2: was called Alex's Dragonfly Coalition.
0: And what was the mission?
2: The first mission was really just the destigmatization and the unapologetic conversations about it, because no one knew how Alex had passed away. We kept it a secret because he was embarrassed. And um, who
1: was ma- he? Was Alex cows. was
2: embarrassed that but he had while he was suffering? While he, he didn't want suffering. anyone to know. Okay, yeah, he didn't want anyone to know what he was going through. He was comparing himself to his friends who were graduating from college and going off to live the lives that they had all talked about and he was stuck mm-hmm. trying to go through a crisis that the that society and providers were making him feel like it were his fault sort of the consequence of some personal choice he made which was so upside down
1: I, I agree with that
2: <laughs> and it was hard as a mom while he was going through it to listen to him say the things that he did about himself right because i The way we look at ourselves is not how other people look at us, but there is not a lot you can do to tell someone to change that narrative in their own mind. They have to do it themselves. And it was hard to do that for him. So we kept a secret.
0: The word that's screaming at me is stuck. Mm -hmm. You called yourself stuck when you talked about you being in that position of anger and sadness and telling yourself it was your fault. Alex was stuck. I know having children in their twenties getting stuck is very common and maybe something that should be a a flag that we're all looking for that feeling of being stuck.
2: Yeah. Not knowing how to take that step forward. Right. And, and it doesn't have to be that way. And I think one of the things we always say now is something you're going through now is not a determinant of where you can go. And so, It's just a moment. It is just a moment in time. And and tomorrow there's another moment in time to take another step. It doesn't have to be perfect. So, so hearts for minds. I'm sorry.
1: Did you? Oh, no, I, I live by that philosophy saying tomorrow's a new day. Today may be the worst feeling everything went wrong. But one thing, because I have mental illness in my family is at what point do you think to yourself, you can only say so much to him to where he almost tuned you out? Because that's how I think most people feel like I've talked till him am blue in the face. I've told him how wonderful he is, how we love him. You know what I mean? And at some point that's where I think the guilt comes in as a mother, like, he should have listened to me. He should have known that everyone thinks that, you know what I mean? Like, I feel that people really feel that it's their fault that they can't get through to somebody.
0: Uncluttered and Unfiltered is brought to you in part by Hearts for Minds. Hearts for Minds is encouraging you to use your sidewalk to motivate others for Mental Health Awareness Month. Help break down the stigma of mental illness, spark conversation, and maybe just make somebody's day a little sweeter. It's easy. Grab some chalk and write inspirational messages and pictures on your sidewalk. Snap a photo and share it online by tagging Hearts for Minds on Instagram and use the hashtag Chalk It Up for Life. That's Chalk It Up, the number four, and life. Let's chalk it up for mental health. Visit Hearts for Minds. That's hearts, the number four, and minds.org to learn more.
2: Mental illness, like other health crises in a family, is a family disease and it does impact the family and it can be frustrating. There's no, we're not gonna sugarcoat this. Loving someone and helping someone get through a mental health crisis is a very, very frustrating. It would be like trying to help a loved one who had cancer and decided, I'm not gonna do any treatment. I'm just gonna, and that right. would be frustrating. It's that frustrating feeling. Um, but as we change the dynamic, as we teach people how to change the conversation we can help to work on those things.
0: One of the facts that was provided to us from Hearts for Minds is that people um, wait so long. And could you imagine if you waited so long to find out if a symptom was cancer? You would never, you wouldn't put it off the way you put off getting help. So so where are you today with the organization? And what is your message for everybody listening right now, whether you're talking about somebody in your life or yourself? because we all have felt embarrassed to reach out to others for help.
2: So one is reach out either. If you're going through it, reach out to someone, the story you're telling yourself in your head that you are not worthy and no one is there for you is just not true. If you know someone who's going through something, don't be afraid to ask, just ask the question. It is two seconds to ask the question and they may be waiting for someone to throw them a lifeline. Our, Mission is much more than what it started when it was Alex's Dragonfly Coalition, because we realized you can't just talk about it. We chatted a little bit earlier and I said my husband and I call that admiring the problem. We can't just say everybody say you have something. If you have something, you've got to fix all the pieces. So we do a lot of advocacy and education for early identification. You mentioned the statistics. So the statistic is scary. We should say it. On average, there is an 11 year delay between the onset of mental health symptoms and when people get treatment. 11 years. Think about it in terms of cancer. Right. I mean, that is the difference between treating cancer at stage one and treating it at stage four. And we all know if you wait until stage four, your likelihood of a positive treatment outcome is lower. So be educated on signs and symptoms of people going through a mental health crisis. And we list some of those signs and symptoms on the cards that our pins come on and on the website, early identification helps us get in front of it. And that does a lot. It relieves the pressure on crisis centers, helps to connect people to therapists early. It's like getting good nutrition advice or going to the dentist. You know, when you're early, it's just good overall health practice, but then we also help to connect people to resources. I think that's the other piece that's hard because you don't talk about it in social circles. If I called one of you and said, oh, my gosh, my mom was just diagnosed with breast cancer. I don't know what to do. There would be a whole gathering of community to say, oh, I had the best doctor here or you should go here. We don't really do that. We don't share that we might even have a great therapist because we don't want people to know that that's where we are. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. I think um I think you you hit the nail on the head about the resources. I recently had a friend reach out to ask me if I had a great general practitioner that I could recommend, but I don't think I've ever had anybody reach out and ask me, is there somebody I could talk to? Now I, I actually I'm gonna take that back because I have a friend who asked me some questions um about for her own for her own kids. And did I know anybody? And then you get to the point where, well, now I'm sharing my kid's business and it's not my story to tell. So then you get into all of that. So the stigma, but I wouldn't have hesitated if I was sharing that my daughter had been to this orthodontist.
2: Right. Or orthopedist or dermatologist. Right. <laughs> right. She... But then you feel that
0: allegiance to, well, I can't share that. That's That's spilling someone else's beans. That's not my secret to share. But in fact- it's not doing a, any kind of service to my friend who has a child that could use the help. So if I were to go on Hearts for Minds on the website, what what kind of information could I find?
2: So we have different blogs and different um, stories and educational information about mental health and mental illness. You'll find events. We um, do things in the community. One of our biggest initiatives are, are murals with meaning. So we commission murals in different parts of the community. We have an event to unveil them and they all have a QR code and they all have dragonflies in them somewhere. And there's a map and y'all can go check out the murals. They're super fun. And that's
0: here in Jacksonville, Florida. Of course we are, you know, global
2: this podcast, but we know we have a lot of listeners here in town and we're working on going to other areas. So if anyone has a wall, you can contact us. Um, And then they have, we have a resource list and right now the Northeast Florida and national resource list is getting relatively large and we're expanding. So it's getting larger. So, um, next May with our fingers crossed, uh, mental health awareness month, we're going to launch a interactive platform that will help people sort through finding appropriate resources a little more easily. So
1: what about social media? I know it's a double-edged sword, but we all complain about it that, you know, it's so different now that so, but I hear a lot of, you know, 20 somethings talking on TikTok or Instagram stories about mental health. So do you think it's helped a little bit getting the message out there there? The 20 something year olds don't seem to have the stigma as much.
2: I agree with you. Look, I think it's a double-edged sword. I do think that there, there is a generation that is happy to share that they're going through mental health challenges. I think we're sharing it and, talking about it but we may not be as educated as we should about it It, it's sort of the difference between i have a cold and i have pneumonia everybody gets sad and everybody gets anxious it may be a moment of some of those feelings the question is are those feelings so big that they're interfering with your ability to have a life then it becomes a mental health disorder but you i mean if you're having those feelings for A longer period of time, you should go get help.
0: Well, the lingo is what they're picking up. And I I tend to think that's what you mean when you say admiring it, because everybody whose relationship doesn't work out on social media, that doesn't mean they are a narcissist or have a personality disorder or they're sociopaths or you've been gaslit. These are terms you're I'm not saying they're not, but it's not, it's not a blanket term, and it's being thrown around. Some of the lingo is being thrown around for. Some in some cases sympathy. In some cases, it's very real. So it's like the boy that cried, Wolf, you have enough of the um vloggers and influencers screaming about this and that. Then the people who really are suffering, you start to think, well, it's just you saw that on social media. That's not real. But it is, in fact, in many cases and real. That,
2: yeah. And that is the that's, that's the a dangerous danger. slippery slope. So my comment on that is I would rather go overboard to help someone. And it turns out it's not quite as bad as we thought it was then to turn a blind eye and say, that seems a little hysterical because I always, when my kids were growing up and they'd be frustrated because we wouldn't let them do something. And I'd say, well, if something bad happens, I can't take that back. And the bad that can happen is too bad. And I can't take that back. So that's one of those situations. It's hard enough to go through a tragedy with a loved one. And sort through it and work through it and reconcile that you don't have to live in that moment and talk about all the things you didn't do. You can move forward. It's another to really have a moment where you had an opportunity and you consciously chose not to exercise it. So make that call. Make Ask the question. How do you ask the question? What do you say? You just ask. I mean, if you think that someone is thinking about taking their life or hurting themselves, you say, are you having suicidal thoughts? Are you thinking of hurting yourself or taking your life? You ask them.
1: You but ask. what if they lie and say no? Because you hear that all the time, where you know I asked or I was listening and they said no, no, no. I'm fine. and then you know that that's when the guilt also comes in. Like I should have seen through that the lie. I mean, I just think it's so hard when someone's in a deep down place in their life, they kind of almost want you to hear what you want to hear sometimes. I mean, not all the time, but sometimes they just want to tell you what you need to know to get out of their way, to leave them alone.
2: So there, Yeah. There's two pieces to that. One is if you're, we call our spidey sense. If you're a little instinct, your gut, your spidey right. sense tells you there's still something wrong. Make a deal with that person say, oh, I'm so glad to hear that because I love you and I don't want anything to happen with you. Gosh, it would be so sad if you were gone. Can I just check in with you every couple of days? Let's just let's or make a plan for time to statistics show. If you ask most of the time, someone won't lie. Um, They do like we can't be 100 percent. That's not the way things work. But that if you make plans, we call it building a brick wall, right? family, job, community, faith, all those things build that brick wall between having difficult feelings and actually, um, deciding to make a plan. Sense. The spidey sense. I love yeah. that. The little tingles that yes. tell you, I'm, I'm, I don't believe this. So try a different tact, remind them how loved they are. Yeah. But the other thing is the piece about guilt. If you ask the question and someone says no, and then a tragedy happens, we can only do what we have tools to do in a moment. And that has been a mantra I've had to tell myself because here I am, six years later, being what I wish I would have had then, gosh, all the information, all the things I would have learned to have helped Alex, I can't live back there. Mm -hmm. I didn't have it then. It is what motivates me in our community to make sure no one, what we say is no one should lose a loved one simply because they don't have tools or access, period. We didn't have tools, I'm gonna make sure everybody has tools. But people who maybe have tried to help someone and lost them, I guess my message is you can only do what you can do. Yep. That was their decision. You don't own it. Doesn't make it any less sad. And it doesn't make it any less hard to work through it, but don't own it. So hearts for minds. I want, I want to make sure people
0: listening do understand that while we're talking about the, the worst case scenario, what about somebody who just their life, their quality of life, is so much less than it could be because of panic attacks or because of self-loathing or they just really feel too anxious all the time. Is there is there a case that's just too mild for this or, or is this all-encompassing? Uh,
2: look, I don't think there's ever a too-mild case for taking hair, care of yourself, right? Is there ever too mild a case to exercise or eat healthy. I mean, you could be the thinnest person on the world and have a nice healthy eating habit. So, no. I mean, getting therapy or finding a peer specialist or finding a group where you can get tools and skills that help with some of those things, cuz there are lots of things we can do to help with that. We can take a walk. We can listen to music. We can do art. We can exercise mindfulness or meditation. I mean, there's millions of different things that help to calm our mind and that helps calm our body and slow that heart rate. No, it's never too mild. We all can do those things. I
1: agree with that. So we,
2: we want, first of
0: all, for you to know, Cheryl, that not only do you inspire us, because as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, there are, there are challenges that we all face tragedies that we've overcome, you have taken your own personal situation and, and decided that you don't want to see this happen to any other mom, any other family member and any of our listeners. So that's for one, very, very inspiring, Thank you. but, but also, um, just you're super cool. You know, like you're just a cool chick, you <laughs> know, you. you, you have, you have this just way about you as you're answering these questions and I'm looking at you and, you're and your smile like, is infectious. Is I, I mean, it, really,
1: you put a smile on my face. I yeah. mean,
0: we were concerned about this episode being, you know, because the subject matter is dark,
1: but important, But important, so important,
0: so important, but you have a way of making it easier for us to talk to you about something that we might want to tiptoe around. And that's yeah. kind of the stigma part of it, right? If someone's tiptoeing and not talking about something, they're not going to get the tools. Yeah.
2: You got to, I don't know. And look at you have me almost six years after and five right. years after starting the foundation. And there are times when it's hard. I had to learn the difference between being happy during certain events and finding my own inside joy. I just, My, the fabric of who I am is so different today. And I just get up every day and choose to find joy. That doesn't mean my life is perfect. Trust me, things irritate me, things bug me, right? right? Everybody, but, but I choose to be joyful. I choose to remember that Alex was a super special child and my first baby and the baby that made me a mom and, right? The training ground for his siblings and, and he was wonderful. And so I'm, not going to mope around the rest of my life for him. He is my pillar. He keeps me going. And I think of him every day to tell someone I don't. And so that's joyful. It's joyful. <laughs> Sorry. I know.
0: If, you, if you're um, a mom, if you're a mom, <laughs> this is hitting you where yeah. you live. And if you, um, if you for any, any reason feel like you need more information. You need the tools. Th- this is what this is about. So please don't hesitate to ask for help. Ask somebody if they need help. And um, it's hearts 4
1: or we'll put the link though. And in we the always show do. Notes. We actually
0: always do. Yeah. And very often, because you are one of our very supportive sponsors of our show, you you'll hear the message at the beginning or in the middle of an episode, but but now you really know. Now you really know what it's all about and what is driving Cheryl and everybody because I know it takes a lot to put on the events. Now, for those that are here in, in town, Um, You have a pickleball event coming up. Everybody's talking about pickleball even before the Golden Bachelor. Right. They were talking about pickleball, but now even more so. Can you tell everybody what that's about?
2: Yeah, we're calling it Dinks and Drives for Dragonflies. Um, It's a fundraiser event, obviously, on February 25th, Sunday from 11 to 6. It's after football season, so we all have Sunday to do something. Um, And it's a fundraiser for us. and So people can go to the website and sign up. If you're a business and you want to sponsor, we have sponsorships available. We're really excited to kind of use this fun and philanthropy mix to have everybody get together and just have a really good time.
0: And we know we have listeners all around the country. So if you see a blank wall anywhere, you should also reach out. Cheryl, it has been a pleasure. Um, You know, our, our motto we always give at the end of this doesn't quite fit. But it kind of does. And what we always say at the end is, because, you know, in your situation, it's not that you don't want to look back, you do, but you want to do it in a different, a different lens. So we always say, you know, regardless of what befalls you, you can let it go.
1: And don't look back.
0: Hi, it's Eden. Christine and I absolutely love bringing you Uncluttered and Unfiltered, the podcast for women over 50. For the first time, we're asking you for your help. A one-time or monthly donation from you will help us with production costs and help us grow this awesome community. Find a link to make a donation in our most recent show notes in our Uncluttered and Unfiltered Ladies Only Facebook group pinned to the top or on our Uncluttered and Unfiltered Facebook page. And in advance, thank you.